episode 39 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about deck, bag, and pool building games. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron, Adam, and I talk about the board game mechanism of deck, bag, and pool building. We'll play a guessing game to get started, then discuss games featuring the mechanism, and also meander into discussions about homebrewing games. You may notice that Aaron is absent from the middle of the show, but he gets back in time to join us for recommendations at the end. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to the three of us talking about deck, bag, and pool building. We're going through these mechanisms, imagining them all pretty consistently filled out, but what we've discovered is that's not the case. Some categories have a lot more than others, and even though we listed income last time, it didn't actually, the definition of it and the games in it didn't kind of match up. And uh, we've just decided to take a turn. So we're going to go with deck, bag, and pool building this time. Deck, bag, and pool building is when players play cards out of individual decks seeking to acquire new cards and play through their decks iteratively, improving them over time through card acquisition or card elimination. But this category covers that same thing if you're putting that into a bag, putting that into a pool. I believe it's accurate to say that Dominion was the first game. It listed here that it pioneered the mechanism, and I don't know if that literally means it was the first or it was just the first popular one. So in some way, a lot of these ideas stem forth from Dominion. Got it. So another thing that we're also changing over our previous episodes, if you've heard those, is instead of just going through the top 25 as they're ranked, we've picked a selection, really I've picked a selection from the top 100 in this category of games that I think Aaron and Adam are going to be maybe familiar with or definitely familiar with. So we're just going to do a guessing game to kind of start off uh, naming some games in the category without just doing flat out listing. Question. Yes. Are the Dominion expansions considered separate entities on this list? Yes, but in guessing... No, I'm not going to do separate Dominions because there's actually a, there's a second edition cover of Dominion that's different than the Dominion cover that we might all be thinking of, except when you see the second one, you'll say that also looks familiar. So I'm actually going to leave both of those alone. We all know Dominion's one of the games. I had... I tried to get around 25 games, but I don't think it's actually that. It's maybe closer to 20 games. So we'll guess a few from the category, and then we'll just talk about what we do and don't like about deck bag and pool building, which games we personally would recommend once we want to try that kind of stuff. But first, a guessing game. So if you're both ready. Check. Ready. This first game has a very plain cover. The background looks like it could be just stone. It's all one color, though. Just a little bit of decoration. Big, giant, purpley, pink gem in the middle. And then the game title at the bottom. Dice Forge. That is correct. Uh, next, we've got a big green apple. If you look closely. Newton. Newton. Newton's on it. That's right. Now we have a game box stylized to look like the front of a chest. And it's got some very familiar emblems on the front of different groups that you would find at the place this chest is destined for. This is an IP game, so it's very hard for me to say anything else on this cover. Harry Potter and the chest of... Sorcerer's Stone. No, no, not the name of the book. No, no, we're not doing the book. We're doing games. It is a Harry Potter game. 
Harry know. Potter de- de- Deathly Dungeons. No. Deathly no, Hallows. Uh, Harry Potter. No. Harry Potter. Again, those are books. Harry, Harry Potter. A&B. Harry Potter wins the day. Aaron, we've played the game. <laughs> we owned the game. I don't know the name of the game. It is Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Ah. I really didn't think it would be that hard to get it out of you guys, but wow, uh, a struggle. Yep. This one, I don't think we've played it, but there is a llama on the cover. That's about it. In the background, we have very festive, like, um, it's Llama very, Land. It's not Llama Land, but it's that same vibe. It's a different game. Uh, alpaca. You know what, Altiplano? I feel like you oh. were in the arena. I was going to guess yeah. Llama Up. Llama Up. Having fun? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> This next one, we see a desert scene. We've got uh, like a caravan of travelers along the bottom. And as the game box continues into the, the scenery, continues into the distance, we just see more desert, a sunset, a little bit of a palm tree just poking in on the side. Mm. It's uh, it's lovely. A little, little bit of water uh, I feel like I've well. seen this box. Is it? Is it? No, it's not Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert, right? It's not Forbidden Desert. And a, a, in a small hint, this game, in a way, is going to come back into this list in a different form. Mm. Which is going to, that clue really makes it, when it comes back up, pretty easy. This is Century Spice Road. Oh, I have seen that game a lot. Now, imagine like a, a pub, but woof, a long time ago. And we've got doors slowly opening and there's a glow inside, stained glass on those doors and windows. And you can see inside of Is it a this, clink game? No. We're looking right underneath the sign on the front, which is the name of the game, and we see people inside enjoying drinks and other frivolity. That's pretty much the is cover. It, is it like old, old-timey, like 1400s or like 1900s? It's old, old-timey, in my opinion. I have not played this game. Was it, is it Sherrick of Towers of Tiefendel? It is Tiefenthal, and again, I'm giving it to uh, you. Uh, that totally okay. counts. Next we're on an adventure. We've got canoes on the water. We've got a boat with sails in the background. We've got mountains, majesty, and we see the central characters. Lewis and Clark. Yes, oh, ready for that Lewis adventure. And Clark. This actually might be the updated, because I think they did a second edition of this cover as well. I don't think this is the cover that we had. No, it is not. But it's very similar. Canoes, adventure, etc. We have a giant creature holding a tree, looking at it with curiosity. It's like a pine tree, but it's very small in its hand. And he's got gems among his shoulders and back, as well as other trees on his back. And he's kind of oh, coming across uh, the landscape. The, it's the it's the other one, right? It's, it's the, the other Century one. Century Gollum version, yeah. Century Gollum edition, yes. Hinted mm. at before. Now, this one is going to be difficult, even though very popular game. There's a guy. He's holding a flag and looking rather serious and that's kind of across the top of the box and then faded down below terraforming we see, mars we see, no we see a variety of buildings again a while ago maybe 1400s-esque kind of style and the flag he's holding is bl- mostly blue a little bit of red is on that, there is that game in greece no the cover then behind him is a very glowy red orange and like i said it's a hard cover to describe not much happening you probably don't think much space about odyssey the cover it is Viscounts of the West oh, Kingdom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's just, there's just a dude on front. And mm. now, I actually need to see this one a little closer because there's some stuff going on. We've got the title at the top. And below that, we see a giant mech kind of creature being battled by a variety of people. Actually, Clank's now in that space. I look... Yes, closer. They Most nice. of them are running away. Clank in space. We have next... 
you know, I don't know why so many of these take place in a 1400s-esque <laughs> setting, but here we are again. Sheriff of Nottingham. We're looking at a marketplace. There's lots of potions, and we see different stalls selling their wares. We see people looking at those. Mystic Market. No, and they are dressed again as a time period. Lots and lots of vials. And potions. Oh, I feel like display. there's a game we've played like potion this. Potion Explosion wouldn't be it, right? No, yeah, there's like a weird it. doctor and a pink explosion on Potion Explosion. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more of a school setting. This is Quacks of Quedlinburg. Oh, I was never oh. doing that. And we have very popular newer game. An exciting Indiana Jones-style adventurer. He's got a couple buddies with him. They're in the jungle. The Lost Ruins of Arnok. That is correct. And next, gosh, if we aren't in that same old time period again but very much more stylized and maybe in fact even older we've got like a knight sort of guy in blue in the middle and he's talking to some sort of uh religious character he's got a little cross on his belt lost cities no and then there's another lady maybe a guy just looking at them talking there's three figures on the box that's it and then just a a very uh a town behind them, full of buildings. It's I feel like, like I described this recently, and I yep. can't think of it. The title is uh, big across the top in blue letters that have like a, a gold and green trim on it. And it is, yeah, you know what? It's very well known as a bag building game. The knight's got a shield. There's really nothing else here. Bag it's, building. It's Orleans. Oh. Uh. Or Orleans, however you want to say it. And now we have a marketplace. This again, much older. Uh, we've got a knight in the background. And really, we're kind of, we assume it's a marketplace, but we're not really seeing that much of it. We're just seeing a couple archways and then big uh, buildings in the back. But up front, we've got a man with some cloth. He's older and he's got kind of gray and blue robes. And then we've got a lady and she's very happy to give him some of the money from her little money bag. Cities and Knights. Concordia. It is Concordia. We've got oh. to keep finding new ways to describe Concordia. And up next, we have a very red-orange scene. Terraforming is it, Mars. Is it a town? Maybe in Gloom the 1400s? Haven. In fact, it is Gloomhaven. Oh, <laughs> that that seems to be the end, yes? It's not the end. Oh. We've got Oh, we've got about six left. So the next one, more modern than the last. We've got a little train on the cover. We've got some cow pokes. We've got some teepees. Colt Express. We've also got three main silhouettes. They're also in the uh, game. Uh, Great Western Trail. It is. They're not really silhouettes because you can see their eyes looking right at you. <laughs> right through you. Yeah. Well-dressed noble lady. She could be, again, 1400s, definitely not modern. She's looking to the right as we're as we're looking at her she's looking off to our right she's holding a staff she's got a distant glaze there's not much else going on in the cover we see just kind of the countryside castles of burgundy no it is not she's she's wearing gold she seems to be uh, an elf her ears are very pointy she's got like a head oh mystic veil it is mystic veil mm. you know there's no getting around it with this one we see a couple mountains we seem to be on a hilltop a couple stones on that hilltop Big name in the center, and uh, there's cheese. What about, is it? The in wine lederhosen. Here? Oh, cheese in lederhosen. And a little green hat doesn't actually have a face. It's, it's, called, a, it's cheese with leprechaun. legs. Oh, it, uh, Sheriff Nottingham. No, I'm kind of surprised you didn't get it with the cheese with legs. And leprechaun seems appropriate. It's Cubitos. Oh, 
I don't think of the cover oh. of Kabuto's ever. I just think of the game. Oh, it's, fun. it's a yeah. block of cheese with real human-looking legs. It's I don't think I could tell you what the cover looks like now. You just described it even. I did. Now, this one, Aaron has played it once, but I think if he didn't remember the cover of Kubitos, this seems unlikely. We are mostly looking at an underwater scene, even though we can see above the water of the ocean here that there is a boat up there. Atlantis. No, but you're real close. Atlantis. No. Again, you're in, you're in the arena here, and we there's just it looks like there's all kinds of treasures to explore, but it's very blue. You can't really make out with definition a lot that's happening here. Just lots of a sunken ship and just lots of treasures to behold. This is Aquatica, Simple oh. Diving, Deep Strategies. This one, I don't know that you guys have played it, but if you've seen the cover, it's very, uh, it leaves an impression. There is a sports player uh, swinging a bat. However, he has robot arms and kind of a robot face, oh. and he's not yeah. really a person. He's got three little, like, spyglassy things for eyes. He's number 42 across is his he face. Like, it's like Blast Ball, Blood Ball... It doesn't look bloody at all. We see that oh. figure, and then we kind of see him, his image echoed hmm. backwards in a sense. I wonder if that's a shout out to Jackie Robinson. It might be. This is Baseball Highlights 2045. Oh. And finally, gosh, it's hard to describe this without saying exactly what the game is. However, we've got a track. We've got, oh, we've got buildings behind that track. Flam Rouge. No, and we've got the Down type force. of transportation that is meant to go on that track trains. speeding toward us, it is trains. Oh. Yeah, I picked trains and then thought, oh, how do you explain trains without saying it's a picture of a train? Choo! Sure, maybe I should have just went, it does not look like a choo-choo train, though. It looks uh, okay. <laughs> It looks it's far a, more modern. It's a bullet train. So that was the last one for us to guess in the deck bag and pool building category. That was quite fun. This is a really popular category and then it's also well tagged on board game geek so there's actually 4187 entries for this category and by and large if there's not thousands for one of these mechanisms i feel like the category falls flat it seems like hundreds would be enough but surprisingly no so some of the other highly ranked ones that we didn't uh put into our guessing game this time were dune imperium arkham horror the card game other versions of clank too Many Bones, Mage Knight, Tainted Grail, Aeon's End. Again, other versions of Dominion, Lord of the Rings, Journey to Middle Earth. These are all ones that are like in the top 25 for this Was Legendary one. in the top 25? Yes. Le like wait, the, Legendary Encounters? Uh, no, no, no. The, the Marvel game. Marvel. Like the, uh... Oh. Now is that, do you know if that's, is that the same kind of deck building? I thought so. There's Legendary, a Marvel deck building game. Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about like that Marvel champions or no, no, no champions no 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 okay yeah 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 that is that is among the top games again this is well a well tagged category so that was in the second list there that game is ranked 201 overall and it's maybe somewhere around number 30 on this list as a group we're pretty into deck bag and pool building I think it's hard for Absolutely. us to find like to on one of these games that we've played I don't know that there's any that we've played that we haven't liked I was waiting for Ascension to pop up. I think it's a well-liked thing in general. I think it's interesting to think that, you know, for something like dice rolling, there's no modern game that's going to be like, yeah, we pioneered dice rolling. But for Dominion, right. relatively modern game, to be the genesis for something like this, I think is interesting to have such a clear predecessor. And for that predecessor to hold up still. 
Like yeah, it's, still it's still fun good. to play Dominion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that's pretty amazing there. Yeah, because they just they've had a few different. Oh, I see. I think Ascension um, is listed. Each one of them is listed a little separately. So Ascensions are in here, but I think because they're listed separately, not kind of as a combined game, they're a little lower. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's also. I mean, dice rolling would be up there for sure. But like, yeah. it's very tactile, and mm-hmm. I like the. You know, maybe not the most, but holding the cards, collecting the dice, whatever, like, the pool you're making and is. kind of cra- crafting your own collection of things, like, in the yeah. game. That sense of acquiring and what you can pull together, like, with Dominion, what you can pull together and kind of create from that. I think it ends up being sort of a creative process, but inside of a game mechanism. Yeah. I think one of the cool things that, Dominion does, Cubitos also does, and then a bunch of other games like this do is they have like each game you only use a subset of the available things to build your decks with. And I think it just allows you to come up with new and creative ways to create those synergies to get kind of those those turns or those things combos yeah. working together. And I think they usually will then give you I know Cubitos does, I know that Dominion does. They give you kind of recommendations for which sets to include in your game. But that's not uh, I guess there's a there is a little bit of that in Dice Forge as well. That seems right. I I really like just the idea of I think I'm a pick a path player on most games, and I think this is the ultimate. I'm picking my path and how I want to play this game, mm-hmm. and each person gets that option of here's what I want to do, and controlling your own luck to some degree, because mm-hmm. a lot of times that's what all this is, right? You are taking some sort of core base that everyone has. And then picking a path and manipulating the luck to which you are going to then have going forward in the game. I think it's just a neat concept. Yeah, it's almost like you have your own actions. Like, by default in a game, it's usually like, these are the player actions. And it's, you know, one, two, or three of whatever those are. And in these games, yes, the player action is like playing a card or, you know, pulling something out of your bag. But it feels like you have customized that. It feels like you've made your own action because you've been given that freedom to decide what comes in. Yeah, I think it's dangerously close to almost push your luck in a way. And I know it's yeah. not that mechanic. Yeah. But it's if you look at so many of them, like um, the the Quedlinburg, right, has yeah. that idea of like, Busting. do as much as you can, but not too much. Mm-hmm. And even like Cubitos, where it's like, keep going until you can't. Like, yeah. there is, it's so close to a pressure lock idea with it. And I think that's really, it's good. I like that in a game. And I like, it's it's the rush you get with it when mm-hmm. you hit. Mm-hmm. The, oh, when you miss. Like, right. it's a very, I think it, it ties a lot of emotion to it really quickly. Because it's kind of like in those, you don't feel that in Dominion. But in those kind of, I think, bag building games more often, you do feel like you're gambling. If you are given that option to either stop or pull one more, you kind of know what you've put in there, you kind of know what the odds are, and it is that pushing your luck, kind of trying to get you that little bit of greed to say, is one more going to be just enough, and then you'll stop? Or is that not quite what you wanted, and maybe you can just do one more after that? Yeah. And I think for the ones, for the games that don't have that kind of pressure luck, like Adam, if it wasn't for Adam, I wouldn't have like the fascination that I have with like small deck games that are deck building. Like, my favorite way to play a game, if I can figure it out, is to have a small possible, because it just removes the luck factor almost immediately. Like, if you're like, oh, I'm going to do my whole deck every turn, like, that's that's perfect, right? Because you know exactly what you're doing every time. Yeah, that's, that's always the goal. And I think it was, gosh, this is a little bit of a different topic, I guess, but it's, I think it was Tabletop Simulator. Was it Dice Forge that they had as a card version instead of a dice version? 
because oh, all because all all cards are is just dice but more complicated on that and i yeah. thought that was just a really interesting way of presenting i played a lot of card games a lot of dice games in my life and i've never seen that direct translation and i felt right. like it just kind of put all those types of games together now like they're all the exact same thing right. just think about them the same way so maybe if you're like oh i don't get this type of game you can usually translate it back to the thing that you that, that clicks for you the inherent even if it wasn't a deck building game even it's just a game that is a deck of cards right. understanding sort of the statistics the odds of that deck the same way that you're probably very familiar with because there's more games it's an older uh mechanism like we were just talking about you're probably more familiar with well when i roll a dice i know i have a one in six chance of a d6 i know i have a one in six chance of getting whatever number it is that i want even though it's effectively the same thing pulling a card at random out of a deck it, of course it changes as you pull cards but it feels predestined in a way that dice rolling doesn't even though right. as it plays out it's not necessarily going to be any different right yeah now I don't remember the deck. I guess, are you deck building in Lewis and Clark? That one I wasn't, I didn't remember that as much. I know there's cards in that. The one time I remember it was an abomination of a game. So I don't <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's honestly worker placement. Remember. It's the sure. primary mechanic, right? Well, there's worker, there's, I think there's quite a few things in that one. Um, they say that there's open drafting. Um, it's a race game and that you're trying to get to the end of the river track movement worker placement action retrieval resource to move so there's a few different things in there i will say that like for me in that game the worker placement and the idea that you're racing down the river sticks out a lot more to me than the cards and i know that we were kind of like uh one adam played in a very specific way like he says he likes to pick a path and go all the way on that but that also i think ends up giving us a different look at how the game's mechanisms work together or don't work i'm pretty sure he finished second in that game i came back strong but like it was real rough i was just mm -hmm. stuck like making a camp every other round or something yeah because like, it, yeah, it lets you go negative you to were an negative. extent yeah. i think you yeah. got and as far did, negative as you could that's go that's a smart move and it was i mean we got there eventually but yeah but i think that's you know playing it not as intended sometimes you do get to sort of see what's really underpinning that game i think that can be true i know aaron and i were just playing this isn't um this is dice rolling not deck building we were just playing high risk it's just a little dice rolling game. You're trying to work your way up a mountain and you either roll successes or failures for the most part. And he was just rolling so many successes and there wasn't anything for me to like actually do about that. It's just, just the way that the dice roll out. So I think in some of these, uh, when you're doing some of these bag building games, maybe especially you might be playing quacks and someone, you know, they have negative things in their bag and they just seem to pull out exactly everything except that. And that's just like a valid form of the game. Should you expect it to be repeated all the time? No, no, not at all. But it is just valid that you might be able to kind of do a strategy and it completely work. And the next time it completely fails. And I think that's less likely in other games. I think it's honestly less likely in Lewis and Clark. I think if you do the same strategy, it's probably roughly going to play out the same way. Maybe that ends up being true for our uh, bag building as well, the way the statistics bear out. But I think the extremes are maybe more significant. I mm. like a game with enough luck to where you just take the losses in stride. Yeah. Because I think you can play 
an amazing game and still lose, and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And I think it teaches you to just be comfortable in your own decisions. It's the Bhagavad Gita that tells us that we are not entitled to the fruits of our labor, but to the labor itself. Basically, the idea, like, you have to be just happy with the game you play, regardless right. of whether you win or lose. And I think luck games really help to kind of promote that. Right. But I will say that I don't think that Dominion, Newton are, like, luck I feel like there's two kind of big splits in this category. They're not all push your luck games. Some of them is very calculating and strategic about like what not you're doing. Not push your luck, but still, if you're getting if you're getting like a five two split versus a four three split oh, though in top, your yeah. first two hands in Dominion, yeah, is the difference sometimes of winning and losing. I think or or getting yeah, festival on the, on the first shuffle instead of the second shuffle after you've reshuffled. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think the fact I, in that yeah. way where like you could still buy the right cards and do the right things and still lose because of just an unfortunate series of draws or things like that. You yeah. know, that's what I'm yeah. saying. In that sense, but I agree with Kelly. It's not as heavily luck focused. Like, well, it's not no, pushing no, no, luck certainly. Well. And if you have no, if you no, have no, a, no. a seasoned Dominion player against a random person, like they're just gonna win almost all the time. I would I would think so. For those cards that have like actions on them themselves, there's so much more to be said there between two tokens that you pull out of a bag. Uh, otherwise that don't have that same kind of from one token to the next, they don't necessarily have that same kind of relationship with one another where how many coins you have versus how many actions you have and how many buys you have in dominion, the cards that you put together have a very certain relationship. That's that's, yeah. That's deep into strategy. I think the margin's different, but I think the, some of the principles, the same where, you know, when we all play a great game of dominion, one person's winning by, one turn you know yeah. on oh. that where i think in mm-hmm. wider spread games you're seeing a bigger difference in that and that's where i believe luck is probably a factor on who got that last oh and i think yeah. sometime i i agree with that i think that inside of equally matched players luck comes back into yeah. play luck isn't going to help someone who's inexperienced beat someone who's experienced in that game correct 100 percent. that's fair i think the co-op things in this category would probably be deck building like Harry Potter, Hogwarts battle. I can't think of any kind of co-op where you're building a bag. Not off the top of my head, anyway. I mean, Clank. It's not you're co-op. building a legacy. Legacy over the legacy. Yeah, yeah, but even in the legacy, <laughs> you're building a it's, bag of doom. It's you're, only you're, you're competing against each other still. Yeah, so you're still kind of competing against each other. But I it's, guess that's true. It's deck building and bag building. It is. Though you don't want to build the bag. No. You can, you know, you can do things to put neutral cubes in there. Yeah, but it's still, I, I understand what you're saying, Kelly, because I think that it's, you're still playing your own game almost completely, mm-hmm. whether it's for a common good or not. In some of the other cooperative games, there's a different interaction level that you don't see with this. It's still yeah. your bag, your deck, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. We didn't love Hogwarts Battle overall as the years went on. Not literally, the ones that are in the game. Um, it goes through year, get like game one through seven is each kind of year at Hogwarts and it gets harder. And the way that it's set up, I think this is also to make it appropriately challenged. You have kind of a villain deck and depending on how that villain deck happens to come together, you can kind of just be destined for failure. So I think yeah. in a co-op game, maybe it's a little bit true that you need something as difficult as that. If you're all really working well together with how you're building out because of how you can affect the rules. If you're doing that really well with other people, that does seem very formidable. You know, in that sense, when I look at it with that lens, maybe it's appropriate that the, that game gets as hard as it does and kind of ends up pushing into luck as much as it does because of how these things come together. Maybe that 
kind of luck bit is just a little more integral to this category than I would have I would have initially thought. Yeah. The more I'm kind of thinking about this too, you know, I made that analogy about the dice and the cards, but really, I guess it, the dice forge wouldn't work because they just shuffled it back in every time. But I guess with dice, it's, it's never a guarantee that that number is ever going to hit. If you have a deck, you're guaranteed to hit right. every At some point you'll deck. pull it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that is the difference. And I like, cause I was like, I like cards better than dice, I, but it's I, more fun to roll dice. So why do I like yeah. cards better? And that's the reason why is that I still know all of it. Right, right, right. I've heard of a variation of Catan where you use cards that are weighted for yep. the typical deck, and it like makes oh. sure that you get an even distribution of eights, sixes, yeah. sevens. Yeah, it's fun. And now, do you think that's better? I think it's fun. I think it's a fun like let's play this once like that, and then right. just to see how the game would play out. It's interesting for a card counting. It's. I mean, and that's not the kind of thing that I enjoy doing, which is why I genuinely have to ask other people like you two, is that better for you? Because for me, if there's this element of that's going to make it worse, I think I, I like a dice rolling game because I am better at planning, not knowing what's coming up next. The planning that you can do if you know what's coming up next and you appropriately plan for it, like you can get so much more out of it. If none of us really know, I'm pretty good at planning in a way that covers me on all contingencies. I'm not good at being like, well, there's going to be a six, then a four, then a two. There was some game I played where that was meant to be a variation where you just got to know what the next dice roll was going to be. And that was supposed to help you plan. It absolutely made me play worse. So when I did that variation, even though I was meant to be given extra information, I just didn't do it because I could not pass it while knowing it. Mm. It was very upsetting to me because it felt uh, so counterintuitive. Aaron, I know you like to count cards and that's like an enjoyable activity for you. As a frequent host to the robber, I don't think that it would be good for my opponents to know that the four nines were gone and now they can rob other things for me that are going to get drawn. Yeah, I think that robber manipulation was my first thought as well. Oh, okay. Just seeing, and, and, you know, just seeing, oh, I know that sixes have to be coming up soon because we haven't seen a six. Right. And just make sure you're just shoving that robber on the six, you know, like, so I think in that way it's, it's it's not a different game, but it's oh, it's a different game. I think. very yeah, it's very depending on who intense. you depending on who you play with. Like you guys are saying that it makes total sense to me. I'm telling you, it would have been after the first game <laughs> that I would have, and maybe later than that when you guys were talking about, it, I'd be like, oh, in just playing it, that is not. Maybe by the end, that's something that would have occurred to me, but that's just that's not how my gears are are set to turn. So yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. And a good point. And I think yeah. that, like, just the placement of buildings, like, you're going to go very straightforward because you have to, right? Like, right. the math's going to always favor it. But I think as you build, what's interesting as you play, you know, like, a 2 and a 12 have to show up. And so the longer those don't come out, I think it becomes advantageous to then build on 2s and 12s. Right. To maybe right. get ahead of your opponent if they right. don't do that. But if they come out real early, like, it's still not worth yeah, so, I don't think it's often going to change your placement decisions, but it might. Here's... Like, in a key point late in the game, are you going to build the city on the two if you know two hasn't come? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, yeah. Here's... Especially if it's going to give you what you need to finish. Sorry, Kelly. No, it's okay. I have a very weird Catan thought that is in line with this kind of mix between deck building and rolling dice. And you saying, well, you could have this variation of cards, and then you know it's coming. What if you had a variation of Catan where you somehow built a hand of kind of like dice values 
And right. then you played out, maybe it's everybody or maybe two people play out a value. And then you're like adding up that value to create the dice roll. So it's kind of a, it's a mix between the fact that there Ooh, are, there's a set of like cards it. that can, you know, what's coming and a little bit of the fact that you could build your own So like two, two people play a card each turn and then you take the sum of those two cards? Something like that. And so if you if you go all in on higher numbers, it changes the way... It, what I don't know how you'd have to do it is that it's going to change the math. So like what numbers are actually available and then how do you work out the combinations therein? But if you have things on 12, does that just mean that you want sixes because you're trying to push the number up higher? Do you have like... Does everyone have like ones, twos to like ones to fours? And then you're playing like threes. Do people have negatives so that you can get the dice math right? So someone plays like a negative two or a negative two and a one, then what do you do? So I don't really know how that would work out, but I'm wondering if, is that a in between, is that a valid mechanism? Maybe not specifically for Catan, but somewhere in between this idea of dice rolling, we kind of know what the numbers that are expected. And then a deck builder where I'm getting to influence what's happening communally and i don't know that there's a lot of things that you're influencing what happens communally well it's, it's kind of so it's a it's not a communal situation but the thing that makes me think of when you say that is shark yeah. is uh is get bit where you're playing yep. cards Thanks. out yeah um and like you're comparing your cards to the other people and i think it's but you're not building your hand there no no no, no. i think yeah that's i wouldn't i would not want to play Catan that way i would be very <laughs> angry even if you did it straight up get bit style where if you both put oh, the same number play. out you just roll randomly and then you only get one through six and then you pull them back up oh so like i can see if you did a zero or a negative just nothing would produce or something like that oh yeah. you know what i'm gonna roll those dice Listen, i mean <laughs> these are the kind of things that you can definitely do on tabletop simulator and are probably a big old pain to do anywhere else to try to yeah. create the right resources or make that happen. In in person wouldn't be too bad. You could just have a one through six cards from a deck of cards each person. Oh, if you had, uh, yeah, a deck of cards. Or get bit. I guess we're we're promoting buying get bit, so you can just add that mechanic to all yeah. your games. I think that <laughs> yeah, you should buy get bit. Uh, it's a fun game, it's and then okay. you have another game. And I will say back to this idea of I th I think in especially like dice games, since you're already manipulating luck, I think it's also a way to favor some players or not. So, you know, if yeah. you do end up with a situation where experience versus inexperience, it's probably easier to come up with a system to, you know, oh, I get one less die right. than you, and then we'll just play that way to see what the difference is or whatever that is. So I, I like that. Where other games, you just cannot change anything or it's ruined. Now, in Dominion, I do you think you could do the same thing? Just get start someone out with more gold or start someone out with a card of their choice in that same balancing thing. Because not all of these, like we said, a lot of these are so luck heavy that it's not going to be like one person's strategy is always pulling you up. Dominion would definitely right. be that. I would balance it by having different target scores. So oh. if I'm playing with a less experienced person, maybe I have to score more like five more points. Than oh, so you like, like you that. like you have a handicap. handicap. Yeah. I yeah. was going to suggest that you have a different draw limit. We're all coming up with great solutions here. I think there's yeah. lots of things. And I bet the, Adam could beat any person who's never played Dominion with a four-card hand. I wonder if just having a discount, how mm -hmm. much that would change things. Because the other thing about Dominion, and the thing that's very inherent in the, the way that it changes your deck when you build, and therefore how a handicap could affect it. Start silver, start gold, or something like that. Oh, yeah. maybe start silver, start gold. Yeah. Start gold changes a lot. Yeah. Like, not all gold. Well, but, like, but right. I wonder if, like, the an asymmetric start, if one person starts with more gold, but 
but another person starts with more cards that gives them more actions because those things stay in your hand because you are you are continually building this deck that I wonder how that asymmetry plays itself out. Dominion being the first of its kind and they still made plenty of expansions and they just wrote the new things on cards. They didn't like do a lot of change in that core right. mechanisms of the game. But I think because it was like the first, there's probably as you look into newer and newer games, you're seeing people try those sort of things out saying, well, what if Dominion, but... Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Because even some of those um, roguelike games I play will do that. Like mm-hmm. you'll get bone, yes, you know, like right. you can get things along the way. And that's a really easy way to change when a computer's tracking what you're doing to just give you less cards and, uh, and give you benefits and not. There's an app for Dominion. There's been a few different apps over time. Yep. And playing deck building on an app... If you like the shuffle, if you just like kind of the tactile feel, and I think when there's a lot of words on a card that you're not familiar with, it is kind of nice to have it in person. Uh, For me, somehow that just kind of makes more sense than sometimes finding it on the screen and pulling up the card when there's a lot going on. It's shuffling for you, it's dealing for you, it's managing all that stuff for you. Mystic Veil, like, you know, you gotta slide them into the little sleeves. I feel like deck building games do really well as apps getting all those little rules programmed in can really speed them up and and make them go quick and then there's games like the roguelike she's been playing there was a game we i think we both played an app age of rivals does that sound yeah 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 yeah. and that was where it changes like the value of the card and stuff too yeah where yeah yeah. if you were actually going to do that in person it's like oh you either need like a card crafting system like john d claire does Um, where you can slide in a new value, it's hard to modify cards that you're then also using. So some of those digital implementations, you know, in one way, not feels like cheating, but in one way, it's a little weird to be playing a digital only card game at times, but their ability to apply effects like that to your deck and to then take them all away in one, you know, programming wave of the wand gives you like all these new areas you can explore with the way that the mechanics work. And I think that's what makes them, they're already very replayable games. We certainly see that from Dominion. I think from a lot of deck building games, one of the things that makes them very successful is how replayable they are. So you get, you feel like you get a lot more value out of it when you buy it. Yeah. Even in Cubitos, it comes with maybe seven or so different numbers, sets of numbers. So you get so much variation. Aaron and I played through a whole lot of those. Then you can, that's just the sets that, as they describe them, then you can start mixing and matching everything as well. Coming up with your own combination. Same with Dominion. And you're going to get some combinations that are like, well, this is barely a game. I think we did that once on TTS where we said, oh yeah, just random. Right. It's, it's sort of, it's sort of horrible. Yeah, for especially for Dominion because there's such a big card pool. I think we did it on that, right? Where it was like, yeah. they all cost like five or six. And like yeah. one person bought one, like one, one person had like the five coins bought it, beat everybody else before anyone bought anything or something like that. Like it was a mess. Yeah. So all that variety is in some ways, it's nice for there to be so much variety that there's even bad ideas. And I guess it still is a valid way to play the game. I think there's a lot of them that allow you to draft for those categories so that each player in the game gets input into are we going to have, you know, curses for something like Dominion? Are we going to, yep. you know, how many attack cards are really going to be in here? How many defense cards are going to be in here? And that is, it does seem very true of a lot of games on here, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dice Forge, you can pick which cards you want out there to buy. Yeah. 
uh, Quedlinburg, there's like two sides to the potions, right? So there's like an easy and a hard side. So you like mix mm -hmm. and match those or something like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of a lot of control to your luck, right? Like right. Just, it's kind of that's good. And I think you can because you're gonna be the one assembling this. It, the game kind of puts it on you, like yeah, don't make bad choices. Like you've set this up. Don't don't ruin what you've selected here. It's up to you to pull together the right things to be successful in the setting that you've made. Other, you know, Euro games, that's not that's not the case. If it if it has not given you kind of the right pieces and balance, like that's the game's fault. That's not going to be your fault. So, again, the same creativity that comes into baking your deck, there is a little more space for creativity even in the game setup for these. Even if it's not like a super yeah. official thing that they've told you you can do, with those different options, like what's stopping you? I don't know that the Dice Forge rule book says anything about drafting ones that come out. It's not a very long rule book. They, they, they don't, but you know, I say but, yeah. you can pick, you know, like I can you draft what's anything, I think. And, right, right. Or, or even if you're just like, or even if you're just saying like, so like um, Dominion has like the curses mm -hmm. in some sets or whatever, mm -hmm. you can just be like, hey, no one thinks that's fun. Let's just not have those. And, just, yeah. and now you've also like, have a game you all can play and enjoy. Right. Even if that was like a part of that mechanic, you could just remove it pretty easily. Right. You get so much more mileage out of the game and you can be a little more confident that the game is going to remain balanced and playable. Unlike if you, some, some games, a lot of people don't necessarily like take that because it's like too aggressive. That's just not the kind of gameplay that they want to do. But if you take out all of the take that cards in some games, it's like, well, this is now unbalanced nonsense. Like you can't always... Right do that where you where you can modify a game without a fair amount of playtesting and maybe even some little custom additions to keep it something that's balanced. And it might be a situation where two people in the household like playing it one way, but not everyone does. You can just get more out of it, even just in your household or with your game group, if you're able to make those kind of changes, even if, especially when you can make them in a way it's not permanent, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that flexibility, you know, where like maybe Aaron and I want to really go... Yeah. fight each other, be very combative, but maybe like in larger groups, like that's not fun for everybody in the same way. So maybe we do less of that. Mm -hmm. right? That's a good point. Yeah, just the reach you get in this, these kind of games. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. We've well covered different thoughts about here, even modifying your own games and how well these lend themselves. If you like modifying games, I feel like you should probably get more of these because it lends itself really well to that. That being said, if you were going to recommend one of these games we've talked about would you recommend or you could go with what would you play next like oh gosh we've talked about all these and now the only thing i want to play is blank i will say that i think that dice forge it's it's really not a big rule book it's kind of a lot going on but the fact that you get resources on everybody's turn is something that it really keeps you engaged in the game and even if it might be like a bit much for a new player to kind of tell them all the things that are going to happen here. I think that it's still good for new players again, because you get that stuff when it's not your turn that keeps you into it. And I think it's good for advanced players and as well, the way that the cards come together, how many options you have to be creative and the dice you craft and kind of starting in one direction and then, you know, starting for gold and then tilting towards victory points at the end things like that, the variability in the cards that come out or that you place out at the start of the game, even a little bit about blocking different spots and when people have to kick you back and you get to roll depending on what your cards are. 
I think that, and it's cheap for how good those dice end up working, for how many components are in there, for how nicely the game tray is organized. That game is consistently like 40-ish dollars. It's yeah. it's a bargain. There's a new Dice Realm game that's coming out. It's similar but different. And it is so expensive. And it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe I'll just buy Dice Forge twice instead of <laughs> even bother with, I'm sure you've done something more advanced and better here or whatever. I think that Dice Forge is one that I would absolutely recommend. The only sticking point is that when you try to flip those little Lego dice sides off, it would be nice if they came with a little like grabber tool. Adam, that uses would be worth another other, couple dollars. Other dice faces, and even it works use nice. That's true. You can use the other dice face, but that can still have you popping it off into a weird direction. I think you right. know Lego now makes that little tool that helps it's like you a pull real off toenail clipping problem, right? Yeah, Lego now makes that little tool that helps you pull off Legos after they've already been attached, and I yep. think that is the only thing that I would recommend for Dice Forge to say to to make it better. I think it's just a solid like slotted into your collection. Dice Forge has been my f- game of the year because for more than one year because I mm. think it's such a great game. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's always at the top of my list. I couldn't agree more with you. Go ahead, Aaron. The game that we talked about on this episode that I most want to just start playing now is Century because it really combines this mechanic, which isn't like I- I've learned to like this mechanic by playing games with you all, but it's not my favorite mechanic, but it combines deck building with resource management. What's interesting about Century, which doesn't happen a ton in other deck building games, is you can pick up cards... And, in, and no, you're never going to use them. Have absolutely yeah. no intent to ever use it again. If you want yeah. a higher level card, you put down gems. So you might pick up a card just because you're like, hey, it's got a green and a yellow on it. And that's what I need to bring to this party. So I think that's interesting. Right. You get to see all your cards. You get to decide how you want to play them out. Yeah. And it's up to you when you pick your cards back up. And you can just, who, who, care, who cares that you have that card and you don't even have to use it? Yeah, I think that is an interesting, I don't think you see that a ton and you can kind of like discard cards and sort of not use them, but usually because of the hand draw, you're wasting a bit of your turn when you do that. Right. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to do synergy in that game. There's many, many ways to win. Yeah, and I would say to anybody that, because I kind of want to play Dominion now. Like, it's been a while mm. since I played it, and, and, and I think, you know, the more we talk about it, though, there's so many expansions. Yeah. Um, like, Prosperity is one of my favorite, because it just, like, ups everything. It just kind of super levels it there's all. Like there's so much gold. Well, it's, it's over gold, I think. There's, like, Platinum, I think. I think that's the addition. Like, oh. Platinum, and oh, then there's, yeah. like, a there's something over at Province. So it's, like, everything just, like, to that next level, I think, on it. If I'm thinking of the right expansion. Yeah, you have to but, go like, fa- it goes I, fast, right? Well, it uh, might not. Do you go to a yeah, different ex- amount? Or, like, do you go? You might. Like, I'm, it's I'm, been a while. Right. I can see that they just changed the way that the game ends, but then the res- the fact that you're moving that much more like resources at once, right. just I could see that really changing the options. I've liked Vanilla Dominion quite a bit. We had Intrigue, which is a lot more take that, which not, I think that's Intrigue. Not yeah. necessarily. I think people like that, and I think it's well done. It just doesn't happen to be uh, my deal exactly. But with how many expansions there are, I know there's ones that add other little accessories. I don't, I don't know they're not. I know they're not called accessories, but like other things you have like going on, other little pieces, other areas, sort of that you that you have to work with. So yeah, there's so much in that Dominion OG family of options. For sure. And Legendary is super fun. It's been a while since I've played that too. But like, I think when you are, in the same way we're t- you were talking about Harry Potter, where like when you're playing familiar characters, uh-huh. sometimes it's just really cool to be, yes. you know, <laughs> under that Marvel umbrella. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, right. it's still super fun. 
and you're fighting, you know, bad guys and stuff like that. It's and it's, it goes it's back to how good the IP, how much you like the IP, I'm sure, but also how good the IP itself is that you can kind of take actions as that character. Like there's what's happening in the story is still engaging even when you know exactly what's going to happen, what's meant to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I, the Quedlinburg, the, the bag one, because we said all, I think, well, I guess we said dice and we said cards. But like the... It's pretty good. I played a lot of it. It's pretty good, though. And I haven't yeah. played the old taverns of... Uh, Tiefenthal. Yeah. But, you know, I, but if it's the same, like that was a really, really fun game. Yeah, I feel like we should play more quacks than we do. And... I think it's that gambling and that just reveal of everyone. It's not like you have to pull a certain amount out of your bag either. I think I like that about it where you don't, it's not like everybody has to pull out three every turn and see what happens. You, you get to decide after every pull, like, and kind of, you know, how lights this bag getting, I know what's in there. I think that makes it a little more fun also as you're sitting around the table because everyone's trying to decide, am I going to pull one more? I'm cool one more. And then you hear someone go like, oh, yeah. because it's like I've destroyed, <laughs> I've destroyed everything. And sometimes it's not even that you're being like crazy risky. You just get the exact two, you know, exact wrong things uh, right. in a row. The Herb Witch's expansion, I don't really know what it adds, but I feel like one, it's probably one I could just buy, but uh two i think that it's also probably on tabletop simulator and i bet it's programmed quite nice as well yeah so yeah that'd be a fun one to give another try and just keep an eye out it's pretty popular so keep an eye out maybe for for a sale on that to pick that one up yeah good call any final thoughts about deck bag and pool building pool building is cool building okay deck building nope get wrecked building There we go. Oh, yeah. Bag building. Finish it up. Dice building is nice building. Thank you so much for listening to episode 39. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. While editing this episode, I took our recommendations and bought some of the games we mentioned from Tabletop Merchant's online store. They had some very attractive prices, and while we have yet to receive the games, I'd recommend checking them out if you're looking to add to your collection. And speaking of collections, the next episode will be me and Adam reviewing this quarter as part of our ongoing collection curation series. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 38 more episodes coming your way. The next will be me and Adam diving deep into victory pointers for Seven Wonders Duel. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Today.